Welcome to Sideline Judgment. I'm Tyler, and today I'm with my good friend, uh, a Green Bay Packers fan, um, who's going to be talking about the Green Bay Packers with us today, but my very good friend, Mackenzie McClintock, joins the show. Mackenzie, how are you? Hey, Tyler. I'm good. How are you doing? I, you know, I'm okay. You know, it, it's, starting to get, it's starting to get warm again, and as, as a Florida boy at heart, um, I am very appreciative of that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, but I'm doing good. I am grieving the loss of what could have been as a Packers fan. So, oh boy, still making it through there. I mean, it's it's never easy, right? When you get so close, and we tend to get so close every year that it's hard not to not to kind of feel it deeper. I feel like it's yeah. the it's a series of very unfortunate NFC Championship games for us, and it's it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. It, it's it's a continual roadblock in the way yeah um, yeah but well, let's let's kind of talk about that uh expand on that a little bit more like what did you think about the 2020 season for the packers like as a whole yeah so i can't let the nfc championship debacle that's a good word for it that's a good word for it i think that's that sums it up but i can't let that keep me from realizing, you know, the blessing that it was to watch Aaron Rodgers play at the level that he played this year as Packers fan, I have never not known an MVP quarterback. I've, I was born in 96 when Brett Favre was coming on and he transitioned right away, obviously over to the Jets and the Vikings, but Aaron Rodgers stepped in and really from the start, I mean, he wasn't Aaron Rodgers. He was this season in 2008, but it didn't really take that long. He's been a good quarterback the whole time, though. So, like, I mean, there was there was no like Jay Cutler year or anything like that. Just you know, shout out to the Bears fans out there. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed as a Packers fan, and if I'm, I can't lose sight of the fact that I'm complaining about making it uh, almost to the Super Bowl. I'm losing in the right oh darn it we made it to the championship and lost again uh to tom brady the greatest ever do it what a shame i mean it, it did suck seeing them lose at lambeau that was hard um to to have tom brady come there have the cold weather and everything working and of course we can't forget tom brady's a master in the cold weather so don't get it twisted but that game was hard. We got exposed, I think, on a lot of levels. Aaron Rodgers got exposed at the end, not running it in on the third down, not passing it, not running it. I can't remember exactly how it worked. At one point, I think my mind, because it was so traumatic, just kind of wanted to block out what was happening in the last two <laughs> minutes of that. Um, the play Don't calling, swear. the play calling, the what could have been. Oh my gosh, the touchdown at the end of the first half. Kevin King that on was his. Killer. Kevin King on his back. Just pray for that man because, ouch. I am sure that he wakes up in cold sweats seeing that play over and over again. Yeah. That was hard, but Aaron Rodgers is a beast. We've got several more good years, I believe, out of him. I think all the people who think he's leaving the Packers are just looking for a story. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I agree. I just wanted to get your take on it as a Packers fan. Like, I really... Don't find, I don't see a way that the Packers are going to let Aaron Rodgers. Leave. It's not really? valid. It's not valid at all. And I, it's something that I've noticed about uh, 
sports pundits or experts, like they just look for this end to a story hoping to crack something. And as somebody who used to be a sports journalist, like I totally get it, except there's no validity to this. You know, I'm just, I'm really, really noticing a pattern of they did this when they were trying to stir up, stir up beef between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers when he first started in Green Bay. And they wanted to build up this fake like relationship that was not, there was no contention there. And, and I think the media wanted to, to build it to be there, to have some sort of story. And then you see them on the sideline, like this whole season hugging after every touchdown. It's like, there's, there's obviously not really that many harsh feelings there. And I get it. Of course, the new, the new coach struggles, but that's a thing of the past. So now I guess the new story that they're trying to stir up is that, and they they do this to every team. It's not just the Packers, yeah, but no, this um, is a, this, that's a general. Thing, yeah, yeah. Um, but the new one is Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. It's like no, he's not. Okay, no, he's not going to leave the Packers. Let's all chill out now. Does he need to win more NFC Championship games? Yes, yes. To Very be so. to be as good as he is, and to have people speak, his teammates speak as highly as him, and for him to not win especially this year it was so different because usually it's the defense that's falling apart but the defense bailed out the offense like three times three in times. the second half three straight times and three. they got three straight interceptions on thomas brady i know when, when is that gonna happen it never happens and the thing too about the packers defense is they're not really like now I'm believing in the younger cornerbacks to really like make steps up. Jair Alexander is my favorite player in the NFL right now, but I, I don't usually see our defense get an interception like that in such a clutch moment. It's not something I've come to know. It's actually the opposite. It's Aaron Rodgers threading it through the needle to somebody in the end zone in the last two-minute drill, and that's how we win. It's because the defense yeah. let somebody score, and everybody's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers has got to go do what Aaron Rodgers does, and yeah. he does. So regardless, I, I'm really, really proud of the team and the effort they put forth. I think a lot of young players showed a lot of really great promise, but it's getting real old to almost make yeah. it there and see everything just, like, crumble. As, as a fan, that's very frustrating. It, it leaves you with a lot of questions about what is not clicking because there's no, it just it's very upsetting as a fan to see them almost make it so many years in a row, especially when you know you only have so many good years left out of Aaron Rodgers before, regardless of who the next quarterback is, there's going to be a drop off, even if it's only yeah. for a couple of years, because Aaron Rodgers is the best. So yeah, absolutely, and that's reasonable to expect. Um, I think I think what you do have going for you, and this is just my look at it from my understanding of the Packers roster is that while you do only have a couple of years left, it's not like, I think your window is still very much open. Like I don't feel like a lot of, th a lot of, p there are a lot of pieces on this team that was like, this was our shot and we're never going to have a shot again. I think the team will largely be very similar next, next year. So you got that going for you. Uh, speaking of the makeup of the team, um, are there any rookies from last year's class and the 2020 class that stand out to you that make contributions? Now, keep in mind, this is, you obviously know this, but listeners, this is the notorious Jordan Love class. Oh, God. Putting that out there. You don't have to say his name. I, I don't have to mention it again. But this is that Packers draft class. Go. <laughs> okay, Tyler. So I loved the way that several people contributed and 
By far, though, my favorite was A.J. Dillon, running back, Boston College, second round. That guy gives me life. Like, watching him hit people, there's something that it does to me that it, like, I love him. Adds years back onto your life. It is, yes. All the years that Aaron Rodgers not running in on third down costed me, A.J. Dillon maybe breaking one tackle at a time can add a few months back. We'll see. It's gradual. Yes. It's it's very much, a, you know, a significant drop-off in the years when stuff like that happens, and there's not a ton of really great offensive plays that can make up for all the stress, but that's a whole different subject. A.J. Dillon, the guy I wrote down, as I, I, I looked up last night because I was trying to find an exact play, so I just started typing in, like, A.J. Dillon highlights 2020. So, but all this stuff that I wrote down, he cuts, he spins, he's got strength, he breaks tackles, he's athletic, he's carrying Rashawn Evans, who has somebody who watched Rashawn Evans practice at Alabama. You don't just carry Rashawn Evans yeah. five I'm yards down the field. I mean... He's a big dude for the Titans, and he carried, like, five Tennessee players five or ten yards down the field. And then also, just when you think it couldn't get any better of all of those running back metrics, he's got hands. He doesn't use them a lot because we're not really a huge, like, out in the flat to the running back team. But that is something that Aaron Rodgers, I can see he loves whenever his first three whatever looks are locked down. They've got two people on Devontae Adams. Somebody always falls down, you know, because why not? Um, and then, but but it's it's just what happens, especially when you play at places like Soldier Field and, you know, the Vikings are in a dome now, but the lot of snow on the ground, uneasy footing, especially in the back half of the season playing in the NFC North. And I know two of those teams are in a dome, so I sound kind of dumb saying that, but you get what I mean. But, I mean, you have all those home games. Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's not season home games in Jacksonville are like 50 degrees. And we also always have a wide receiver who pulls their hamstring about week six. So to have that a running true. back who can catch the ball is very, very helpful to Aaron Rodgers to have that dump off option. Uh, I love AJ Dillon. My dad, shout out to my dad, Reed, didn't realize uh, how hyped up he was about A.J. Dillon. We drafted him, and my dad was just raving about this guy. He's going to be incredible. And I was like, yeah, I hope so. We drafted a running back in the second round, and we don't really do that as the Packers. And and he ended up turning into a total stud. The guy can run through a brick wall, and I'm so excited. I don't think we even saw the end of it. He reminds me like a lot of what young Adrian Peterson looked like when he was just like shedding defenders and just smacking people. And it's going to take AJ Dillon a hot second to make a name for himself because he's playing next to Aaron Rodgers. But I think he's the perfect complement to where if we lose Jamal Williams in free agency, who is one of my favorite players for the Packers, his energy, they call him dancy pants. I just like, because he dances, I love him. Um, But Jamal Williams may not stay. Aaron Jones may not stay. I am a big Aaron Jones fan. I will say that. Love me some Aaron Jones. Uh, But A.J. Dillon, I think, could step right up and be kind of like that one-two punch. It reminds me of when we had Eddie Lacy and James Starks working 
on the one two. Yeah, that worked. That it, worked for you guys. It was good. It was real good until it wasn't. But you know, regardless, the, the couple of things work out. So um, the couple of things that it that it did work there, I love that idea. I also really liked Kamal Martin, who was a linebacker. And we saw really good flashes of him. He's very fast sideline to sideline. And I think it's only fair to give linebackers a couple years because only in the cases of like Clay Matthews, who is going to be in the Packers Hall of Fame, do linebackers step in and become instant successes day one. So Kamal Martin, year two, watch out for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of with most uh, player, players in the NFL being like, I think everyone I've, I've talked to, I've gotten my soapbox about this on sideline judgment all the time, but like, I feel like everyone, it's great when a rookie is instantly an impact. Awesome. 100%. Perfect. Great for them. But like, you should expect rookies to take like at least a couple of years because I, I, so like funny story, like Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars are our best wide receivers, DJ Shark, who is like a very good NFL wide receiver. Maybe not the number one you want on your team, but he's very good. Like, I remember uh, his rookie year, um, a couple months into his rookie season. Keep in mind, this was Blake Bortles' last season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what he was dealing with. Behind a Blake Bortles-led passing attack, people. I saw articles written about how DJ Shark should uh, they should cut DJ Shark, who is has after one year in became one of our, one of our best receivers. So like this is the cautionary tale. Like it's great to have rookies that. Um, impact immediately that's what you want but rookies are capable of taking a year or two to develop it's a lot to it's a lot to undertake and i think that's a very good point kamal martin would be a, is a great player to watch out for to making that step yeah we had a john runyon too the same way he only got a chance on the offensive line because people got hurt and we had to do the the shuffle you know so a couple offensive linemen we drafted we'll see good flashes of in the rookie year but then if you know somebody moves on in free agency or whatever happens they step in year two, year three, and suddenly they are the next David Bakhtiari. So we'll see what's going on there. I'm really excited about the year two guys. I'm also really excited about the year three guys, which I knew wasn't necessarily your question, but um, things oh, yes, like no, um, the guy we drafted from Michigan, Rashawn Gary, a couple years ago, could be killer year three. He had a huge jump year two and made big moves after people really didn't like that pick whenever he got picked. And that's that's something that I think is just kind of speaking volumes about Matt LaFleur too. The, the picks are paying dividends regardless of if you want to admit or not that everybody wants to get all obsessed about who the Packers draft and if they're giving Aaron Rodgers the right weapons. It's like, well, how are the guys that they actually draft, that they actually do draft, how are they performing? And I'd say that most of them perform very well. It's just a matter of keeping them on the Packers and then also keeping them healthy, which is typically something that the Packers face every year ends up being a huge battle. Every team does, but I always feel like the Packers... It's your team that you follow, so it's like, but yeah. And I I actually do agree that I think the Packers do experience it more than others. I mean, my thing is, looking back at Matt LaFleur's tenure, I think you look at his draft classes, and what I will say is, like, I think he drafts good players like when you when and i take it back now but when the packers drafted aj dillon in the second last year it was more of like uh this is not i was like aj dillon's a great football player i think it makes your team better but i was just like i don't know if that was the best pick for the packers 
but it worked out. And I think that what they've what they've gone on to do with that uh, that I think has helped is that what you don't want to do is pick players that aren't that good in positions that you don't need. So even if it's like, yeah, you probably would prefer to draft a wide receiver sooner rather than later. But if you draft a good running back over a bad wide receiver, you probably lucked out. Um, speaking of kind of like we were talking about with players to draft, the Packers have nine draft picks in this upcoming draft, uh, the 2020, 2021 NFL draft. Um, I mean, a couple team needs. Quarterbacks, kind of, quarterbacks, kind of a big one. Secondary help, uh, just defensive depth. Uh, what to you, Mackenzie? What is the ideal first round draft pick for the Green Bay Packers? Currently, you pick in the 29th pick. Um, if your ideal draft pick involves trading up or trading down, that's cool too. But uh, who who would be like your ideal draft pick right at the top? Like, this isn't going to surprise you. For you didn't say it, you know you you didn't say it whenever you introduced me. But I also was I felt like it was going to come at some point. Somebody who worked inside the Alabama football program as an intern, and I loved it every second of it. Got exposed to all that roll tide ness. And that being said, I would absolutely die if we could take Alex Leatherwood at pick 29. He would, would he would be a huge plug for us. Metrics on this guy, 6'6", about 313 pounds, hands like a bear. The guy is a stud all around. I watched him from when I was a freshman come into the program. I believe he was one year behind me. He stepped in and made an ex- like an immediate impact as a true freshman on the Alabama offensive line. This is a school. This is a school that turns out NFL offensive linemen like a factory. Okay, these guys go in, come out two times the size, two times as nasty, and <laughs> a lot of times as rich. So they end up going on to great NFL futures. And I know I've noticed also a pattern of Alabama offensive linemen also being really successful individuals. And that's something that the Packers do take very seriously. They are not the team who rolls the dice on a guy if they have character issues. Alex Leatherwood doesn't have any of those. Alex Leatherwood is a captain. Alex Leatherwood is somebody who did a lot of community service in college. And I just think he fits a lot of the Green Bay Packers kind of mentalities or models of a person as well as a player it would be good insurance to have somebody like him who also I'm seeing some experts predict he could end up making a career shift over to guard instead of lineman based on the way that his um, his performance is in the NFL and what a team needs so if he could be somebody who could plug several different spots on the offensive line for the inevitable David Bakhtiari knee injury that's very helpful um, because we got another steal a couple years ago in Elkton Jenkins on the offensive line, yeah. and he's become one of the best in the game at offensive line, and he can play every position on there. So if he switches to center because Corey Lindsley is also on a contract year, he's going in free agency, and I think he's just going to want too much money, to be honest. I don't, I don't think the Packers are going to be able to pay that guy. So 
I love Corey Lindsley. I hope he comes back to the Packers. He's been an absolute staple for us. I don't know if it's realistic. That being said, Elton Jenkins was a heck of a center and offensive lineman this past year. He moved in when Lindsley got hurt. David Bakhtiari got hurt. We had people move over that way. It's, it's all a beautiful thing. And I would really love to see Alex Leatherwood become another one of them. Because Billy Turner is somebody we signed in free agency a couple years ago, and he is getting up there in years just as much yeah. as I'm just not sure how much longer he has to go. He's been a great player, but he's just getting up there. So Alex Leatherwood would be my ideal pick. Yeah. I also see that being a realistic pick for the Packers because as much as, again, people want to talk about that they need another wide receiver, that they need a good linebacker, that they need whatever offensive weapon for Aaron Rodgers, the Packers don't really draft that ever in the first round. I was looking it up last night. It's been since 2002 that the Packers took a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah. Tyler, who was it that they took in 2002? You don't know, right? Because know. irrelevant. It, we don't draft wide receivers in the first round ever, okay? I don't even remember who it was, and I looked it up. So it, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Information's fresh in your mind, and it's just in one ear, out the other. Like They don't take wide receivers in the first round. They just don't do that. So it's not well, going to happen. And, and it, makes sen- it makes sense because in the sense that like with, with, with the way that college football is trending and also these drafts are trending, there's more and more good wide receivers every year. The Packers don't need a one. They don't need a number one. You have that. You have Devontae Adams. You need depth, in my opinion. So, like, depth is an issue that it's just, like, you need to address it, I think, at some point. But you have nine picks. Address it on day two. Address it on day three. Well, and that's the thing about Devontae Adams. That man was around two. Jordy Nelson, round two. Randall Cobb, round two. Donald Driver, round seven. Okay, so the Packers do a really good job of digging up the wide receivers and the running backs in the later rounds, or maybe just not in the first round, because round two is not a late round to be drafted. Let's let's make no, sure that's straight. You're a French round one player. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and also, you know, I all love to Devontae Smith, the greatest college wide receiver I've really ever watched play. Uh, I don't I don't I was not conscious enough as a football fan to remember people like Julio Jones. I just I didn't watch them a ton when I was very, very small. Devontae Smith is incredible. He is one of those people like what you were talking about, Tyler. They're going to draft him wherever he goes. I think Miami is a huge spot that he could land, but they're going to draft him for him to be good like in two or three years time. Right. So that's the thing, too, is people were like, ooh, Packers He's not, could... not going to make Heisman caliber contributions in his first year. The Packers but... are going to draft somebody who hopefully would make a couple. If at perfect scenario, we have a healthy offensive line all year next year, and Alex Leatherwood gets drafted, and he never sees the field. That is, that is a position where, where you want him to start late if you can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also love the idea of getting a fast linebacker. Again, just not something we do often. Last linebacker we took in the first round was Clay Matthews, from what I remember. And we traded back into the first round to get him after we had taken BJ Raji defensive tackle. So we went for the big guy, the big heavy hitter, and then came back in to get Clay. Obviously, way worth it. But AJ Hawk was another first round linebacker. So you're talking like 2005. Like it's. Clay got drafted in 2010. It's some of those things I sometimes, in my head, uh, unless they're, you know, you have general management or regimes that have have lasted long enough for that to matter. I hear, like, they did this back in 2005. I'm like, that was 16 years ago. I don't care what happened. Like, because 
likely it is new coach, new GM by this point. This is not applicable. Also, it's it's one of my crazy things about draft when people are like, well, so and so team hasn't drafted a this in you know twenty years, and I'm like, okay, who cares? They need one. Like, yeah, present day, now, present day, right? Like, but I I think what you bring up is very is very, I think is a lot of good points. Um, on that kind of you've kind of already addressed this, but on that note, like, what do you think your team will do? That was kind of what you talked about, what you wanted to happen, and you slightly addressed this, but what do you think will happen? So, as much as I am a hundred percent behind your thought of like what they did twenty years ago isn't relevant today. If there's any team that follows tradition, like it's the yeah, most for most pro- it's the Packers. The Packers follow yeah. tradition hardcore, yeah, that's true. and and they are a team that doesn't really shy away from I don't know a lot of times they do what's expected you know and that was why when Matt LaFleur came in and some things started to change I got really interested I was like okay hold on this is new I haven't seen this before um but regardless I think they will end up drafting an offensive lineman or defensive tackle they always take a really big guy in the first round it's just a thing that they do now I would love if we snuck in there somewhere and got a great cornerback or a great um, specialty kind of linebacker guy who can do it all. I think that would be incredible. I don't think it's really that likely. I just see them. I just see them going for somebody who, in a couple years' time, is going to be the next big thing on offensive or defensive line. Because again, you draft a guy hoping that he doesn't see the field because that would mean your other guys who you're already paying $10 million a year tore their ACL, you know? So it's, it's, it's just a matter of who's available. Also, it's really hard to say what they're going to do when they're pick 29. That's something as a Packers fan, it's just a crap project. Like you got 28 entire whole franchises in front of you. They're going to be like, what do we want to do? Like Right, and you just never know how it's going to shake out, how it's going to fall, how who's going to all of a sudden slide. That's something that you don't see a lot either. I've seen several people thinking Jalen Waddle's not going in the first round. And for me, that's that seems pretty hard to believe. That's mind-blowing to me. You better believe it that if Jalen Waddle is on the board at 29 and the Packers don't pick him, I might just write myself a handwritten note to Matt LaFleur to ask what are you doing? What are you? I I can forgive the kicking a field goal in down eight, but not not drafting Jalen Waddle. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. It's stuff like that. You never know who's going to shake down all the way to twenty nine. It's so it's true. nobody thought the Chiefs were getting Patrick Mahomes, and nobody thought Deshaun Watson was going where he was going, and nobody thinks all these things about these guys who fall to pick fifteen or later, and then all of a sudden they turn out to be incredible yeah. players. Aaron Rodgers is a good example of that. So. I, I am hoping we don't do what we did with Jordan Love solely because, again, you know, what? But <laughs> if we're following the it's mantra, okay, let, let me make sure that if we're following the mantra that we've been talking about this whole time of you draft a guy for his future possibility, Jordan Love, I give you credit. I hope you play well one day, I mean, 10 years guy, from now. <laughs> yeah. Every time a player gets drafted and I don't agree with the situation, I'm like, I mean, I'm rooting for you. Like, I really am, but, like... I don't... I didn't... 
I, I don't want our first-round draft pick to have to step in on day one and fill the hole of Aaron Rodgers. Like, come on, you know. You, yeah, you want like, He needs some time to develop the same way that yeah, Aaron Rodgers needed some time to develop under Brett Favre, and now Aaron Rodgers is what he is. So the system has worked in the past. Different coach, different GM, I get all that. But um, if we're going to stay true to what we've been preaching this whole time, Jordan Love is a good example of you didn't draft him because you wanted him to step in year one and make a difference. You wanted him to have future possibility and potential to do good things for your team. So best of luck to him, and he doesn't deserve really any of the hate that got thrown his way. He, I absolutely agree. It, yeah, it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with the quality of Jordan Love as a person or a player. Um, it was just about the weird situation that he was put in. I, I agree, and I hope that Aaron Rodgers is being a good leader. I hope that Aaron Rodgers is seeing the similarities between when he was a young guy and how he learned from Favre, and I, I hope he's imparting a lot of that wisdom on Jordan Love because the, the kid deserves a fair shot. And I think from everything I saw about the way he played in college, he does have some serious, serious talent and promise as a quarterback. So we'll see what happens. Also, he just has a great football name. I love Jordan Love. I think that sounds like an awesome name. It's so. a really good football name. It's a good it name. A, like... 10 out of 10. You put love on the back, love on the back of the jersey. I mean, that's that's pretty good. We love it. Yeah. We love it. Um, Okay, I think that's it. That's all I've got for the Packers. Pick 29, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. It's hard to project. I, I don't – it's basically like, these are the positions I'd like us to address. Who knows what the situation will be. I think it will be uh, offensive or defensive line, like. though. Uh, but, yeah, that would be good. Tyler, uh, who are the Jaguars going to draft? Well, at pick 20, it's really t- – it's difficult to project. Um, like, I mean, the other first-round pick's pretty pretty standard, <laughs> pretty understandable. Uh, yeah, but yeah, a quick surprise bonus question. Just what do you think of, of the Packers? Like as a team, what are you projecting for next season? Just like feel general, like, <sighs> oh boy. Yeah. That's not a great sound. <laughs> uh, you know, last year I thought we were going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to be honest. Like, I really thought last year was it. The way that everything was clicking, how we were playing, the youth mixed with the older players, the leadership, the dynamics. We came up short. We ran into the Tom Brady monster, which isn't something in the NFC we ever had to do before. Usually, he just stayed over in the AFC, and we... Counted on, hopefully, the Steelers or somebody to knock them out of the playoffs and then we didn't ever have to worry about him. Um, It's like a 15-headed monster in Tampa Bay now. I can very much see a repeat happening of what happened this past season with it being Tampa Bay and Green Bay in the final NFC game again. I think the Seahawks could end up being really good. And I think, well... J.J. Watt, obviously the Cardinals are, you know, he has all this this faith in Kyler Murray to get to the end. Um, But I... I mean, there are worse things than living living in Phoenix, Arizona, like, but... I just, I have a lot of faith in this team to make a deep run in the playoffs again. I hope that they learned their lesson and that 
the same mistakes are not made in the NFC Championship game. But again, when I was talking earlier about patterns, there's this weird thing. It's like a curse, the NFC Championship game curse of if it's not the football bouncing off somebody's helmet, it's the uh, Aaron Rodgers running it in or not, or it's kicking the field goal. You know, it, there, there are a lot of things that in NFC Championship games, not to mention like Colin Kaepernick running us over at a couple points too down that couple years ago I just man Tyler it's hard to predict I hope I in my full and I think a lot of people can look at the Packers objectively and say that team could win the Super Bowl but will they that's that's the question I think that team could win the Super Bowl realistically there are a lot of teams the Cowboys don't think they could win the Super Bowl uh Texans absolutely not Saints eh, we'll see um, not, not next year. Not no, next year. Mac Jones. Hey, Mac Jones to New Orleans. I'm calling it. I want. I want oh, to. Wow. See, I I want to see a lot of improvement from the Packers as far as play calling, and if they can get the play calling and all of those things clicking with the right people, healthy at the right times, they're going to win the Super Bowl. But they just they beat themselves a lot, and that's hard to watch as a fan. Hey, well, in the words of someone uh, else who has come on to this podcast, um, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And when you're both, you win a championship. Your guys are good. The Packers are good. So let's just hope you get lucky. Uh, Mackenzie McClintock, thank you so much for coming on the show. I wanted to have you on for a long time. This was awesome. Uh, love talking to you. We will have you on again, I'm sure. And, and uh, any, if you anything else you want to tell the people where to find you, um, Nah, man. Hey, I am just really looking excited to looking forward and I'm very excited to what's going to happen in the draft this year. I'm hoping that there's, I hate that like cliche now cliche phrase of a return to normalcy, but I really am. I really am hoping that for the NFL, I'm hopeful that fans will be able to return to these stadiums. I'm hopeful that we'll see some real life come back into the game of football because it's something that I, as a person, look forward to plan my weeks around what am I doing on Sunday for the game? What, you know, you and I text and we go and, hey, let's go get drinks in and food for this game. Even if it's neither of our teams playing, just want to be around that atmosphere of football. And I'm really hopeful that regardless of if the Packers make it to the Super Bowl, I can't wait to turn on week one and see fans in the stands and I, I can't wait to see week them one's in a magical time right week one is a magical time. see, see the all the, the Packers faithful at Lambeau Field and, and watch that and to even be able especially with per, in personal life starting a new job in this coming football season for me I could have time or the chance to be able to go to a game and to think about being able to have that opportunity as somebody who's not been to an NFL game for several years and my family vacations when I was young were planned around like Packers games and and Cardinals games and things like that. Lambeau field trips. Like, so to think about the chance to do that again. And I just think fans in general will have a real appreciation for the sport this year that we may not have ever had in the past. And there's something very beautiful for that. Even if it's as simple as watching the NFL draft, you know, together as families, maybe if you couldn't do it last year, depending on how that's going to work. Cause obviously there's some serious precautions that still need to be taken when it comes to the draft. But 
I, I'm hopeful that we see some life and some normalcy re-injected back into the game that everybody who's listening to this podcast hopefully loves as much as I do. So, All right. I 100% agree with all of that. That was beautiful. Um, but thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, we'll have uh, you on sometime in the future, uh, but we'll talk to you later, Mackenzie. Uh, for Sideline Judgment, I'm Tyler. Um, this is Mackenzie, and uh, we're not biased, uh, but go Gators. Go Pack Go!